This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Holy mackerel. On the pod today, we have M. Isaacs. Now, honestly, once we started this podcast, which I think we're getting to the two-year mark now, when from the day dot of launching the pod, one of the dream guests was Emma Isaacs and it's taken me a long time to get her on the pod and I couldn't be more wrapped. Absolute legend, absolute good egg. And can I just say, as soon as we stopped recording, the first thing that Emma said to me was what can I do to help you? And I just, that's not the first time Emma said that to me either. She is just a very, very cool, generous, kind and giving human being. And her new book is Unreal. And we chatted about her first book, Winging It, which uh, came out about three years ago, but it's already in its like 11th print run, which is insanely amazing it's also had an american release but the brand spanky new book the new hustle i binge read it in two days it's unreal it's got 77 rules in it really easy to digest stuff we talk about the power of saying no we talk about this it feels like there's business hacks but life hacks as well and we talk about some of uh Emma's favourite rules, some of my favourite rules in the book. So I really hope you enjoy this chat. This was a total honour to have you on the pod, Emma. And to anyone listening, uh, check out the show notes because there is a direct link to getting your hands on this brand new book. It is unreal. And Emma Isaacs, you are unreal, my friend. Emma Isaacs. (laughs) How long have we been trying to make this pod happen for? (laughs) Don't. Don't start with that. (laughs) A long time. A long time. And we're here. I feel like the timing is very fortuitous because you have just birthed a brand new book of runes, Mm -hmm. The New Hustle. Yeah. So when this podcast comes out, it will have been out for about two weeks or so in Australia. Yeah. I really want to dive into The New Hustle Let's just hit pop that on pause for one sec, though, because <laughs> sure. you have been such a dream to research. Oh, really? Oh, mate. I was, like, making notes every podcast. I'm like, the truth is terrifying. <laughs> Everything fantastic is hard. Like, literally, I feel bumper like. Bumper stickers. You're, you're, you're a walking, talking bumper sticker, my friend. <laughs> I don't know. Can we go back, though, to 18-year-old Emma Isaacs? Mm. Because I did not know, but. That's when you owned your your first company, is that yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the kind of long and short of it is that I've really not worked for anyone else before. I mean, I had a casual job throughout high school and I had, um, you know, working as a waitress in a restaurant and I ha- had that job um, for the five minutes that I stayed at university. But then post that, dropping out of university, I met someone out socially. Um, we got talking. She had just started a little recruitment company. And yeah, again, long story short, I bought into that company at the age of 18. Amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't know what the word entrepreneur meant back then. Um, I had no 
kind of clues in my childhood that I'd be in small business. It was just one of these things that I fell into and it's been what I've known my entire career since. So I've, you know, never relied on a paycheck from anyone else and I've just been, I don't know, trying to make it up as I go and um, it's been fun. Well, mate, it's working for you, can I I just say. (laughs) Can you take me through the moment where you discovered business chicks and I think initially you were a bit like, eh, business chicks, (laughs) and you were in your mid-20s, right? I was. I was like probably 24 or 25 at the time. And I often say that, you know, the way I'd been able to, um, you know, build the relationships I had in my recruitment company and attract really great clients and build that company into a reasonable size was through relationships and through networking. So I would make sure that I was out, you know, most nights of the week meeting people, shaking hands, exchanging business cards, you know, so dorky, but that's what you did back then. And so I was really surprised when a girlfriend said, I want you to come along to a business chicks event because I'd never heard of this organization before. And I was like immediately turned off by the name. I was like, no, that's the worst. (laughs) That's literally the worst name I've ever heard. And, you know, I thought it was insulting to women and whatever. So I'm like, I'm not going to that thing. You know, I'm, I'm above this. Like <laughs> I'm a serious entrepreneur. And she's like, you need to just come along and experience these things. So I walked in and, you know, I mean, I was bowled away by how different it was and how, um, I don't know, it just vibed at a different level. I don't know. It's very hard to kind of explain. But I remember going to the event, going back to my recruitment company and encouraging everyone to become members um, in my business. And we bought three tables at the next event. Mm. And that's when I heard the business was for sale. And I, you know, ran up to the lady at the end and I just said, I want to talk with you more and I feel this is for me. And, you know, can we, you know, talk about it? So six months later, I had bought the business Mm. and um, it was tiny back then. Like it was a I know. love that though. I know it was so cute. Do you yes. know what else I love from what I've when I've heard you? Um, I said to you before, I'm a Virgo, so I'm quite OCD <laughs> with my research. But I've heard you say after you went to that first business chicks event, you went straight back to your gang, your team, and you pulled your credit card out and you yeah. bought everyone tickets. Now. There's something special about you with that. Like I've worked for other people for sure and it's really rare that a boss is like, yo, this is on me, this is on me, this is on me. And I also read about, I feel like in your new book as well, there's this, you've got this sense of like looking after your community and your gang Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a really generous Really generous quality. And I keep noticing it every time I hear that part of the story. I'm like, there is something special about you. Well, there, we yeah. knew that already. That's Could really have told you that you. when I first met you. That's really sweet of you. But no one's ever actually picked up on that before. But I think when you start out in business so young and when you have nothing else to kind of rely on apart from your character yeah, and who you are as a person, right, you have to do kind of extraordinary things, right? So I was always the one to make sure I was going above and beyond for people. Like when I was trying to over-service clients and I was trying to over-service my people and I was just like so grateful that anyone would work alongside me. I was like, in my little company, this is amazing. Like what? So it, it didn't even occur to me that that would be a generous thing. That was just what you would do if you wanted to look after people. You'd show them a good time and you'd buy them the tickets to the great thing that you just experienced and that's just kind of been... I don't know, like a theme and part of the story. I, I think know. that's a testament to you. As someone that's spoken at a few business you chicks events, you really are generous with your speakers. Like any of us that go, we get a free ticket for the entire day. I get to soak up whichever speaker is part and you really feel 
part of the family. Mm. And to be honest, like I've fostered real friendships from mm. either other people that I've been on a panel with right. or um, people I've met backstage or people that I've just randomly met because yeah. I've been a consumer for part of that event as yeah. well. And yeah. I think that's all a testament to this like I think it's your innate nature. Yeah, I mean, look, you and I are similar in that we believe in you know, universal law, right? So I've always been someone to subscribe to the idea that like attracts like. So if totally. you are a kind and generous person, you know, karmic forces will have it that you will be rewarded in some way, right? And it might not be instantaneous, but it just happens like that. And so that's been my experience with business chicks. You know, we I've been able to attract really beautiful people to work in the business, really beautiful speakers who I've gone on to have friendships with and, you know, to have meaningful um you know, support from and hopefully I've given them meaningful support in their careers and it's just a kind of symbiotic, yeah. I don't know, it just, it, it just works, right? Totally. But, yeah, I just, I, in celebrating you, I'm like, this is pretty cool. I, I think it's a very cool thing to you and every single time, like, you and I have, I tried to figure out the first time we met. I couldn't pinpoint <laughs> it. We've crossed paths at so many different parts of Australia. I know, but my favourite my favorite memory of you is doing um, yoga in front of Uluru, sunrise yoga. That was like heaven. And then, and you sat like your music was incredible. I remember that. And then remember how we were doing it and then it, the session ended and they put blankets over us. Yeah. Wasn't that the most nurturing thing Because it was ever? surprisingly cold. I know. It was, <laughs> it was really cold. It was really cold. That's one of my earliest memories of you. Yeah, that was, was such beautiful. a fun trip. And that's, again, like I got to then enjoy the rest of the trip. That was my job yeah. done. I was on that trip as well and to this day KK or Kate Kendall will she'll still send me photos of us on camels from that (laughs) from that trip that's That's like you you really have fostered like it's something so it feels like very very deep what you're fostering within people and yes it's all about like chasing your chasing what is true to your purpose mm. right and discovering that and creating a space for people to explore what makes them tick which is really really cool yeah but yeah it just feels also on a very like not to get too yogi and esoteric on mm. you on an esoteric level it does feel like it's Oh, it's like it's a innate human need to feel part of a community and mm. I believe that you offer that to people. Yeah, I don't think we knew that when we started out. We didn't sort of start out with the intention. Let's create a community. I mean, back then there was no communities. I mean, like there was when we started there was the Australian Businesswomen's Network and they're, they're gorgeous and I think they're still around today and then there was kind of us. and But there was no one commercialising community or understanding yeah. what community was. You wouldn't even have called our yeah. business a community back then. But so for me, it was never about that. It's sort of morphed into that. But for me, it was always about like what lights me up is giving people experiences and seeing people grow mm. and develop and creating mm. memories and moments. And that's what it's all about for me. Like it's never, <sighs> ever been about let's get to a billion members. Let's yeah. make a lot of, I, I don't care for any of that stuff. But oh, You can feel that. You're, the, you're 100% the real deal. Not to change subjects too much, but mate, you have half a dozen kids. <laughs> I how, do. How do you, that just rolls straight. I never thought I'd be saying that <laughs> sentence, but um, how, how do you find, I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, but yeah. how on earth do you find that kind of like, Mum balance, work balance. I've heard you tell an analogy of the stovetop and the four different pots on the stove. But, yeah, how how on it? How? Uh, I mean, you know, I get asked that question every single day and, yeah. and like I'm looking out, we're, we're sitting recording this in my little home office and I'm looking at my beautiful mother playing with my little 15-month-old um, 
little guy. So, I mean, look, it, it does like a bumper sticker quote for you here. It does take a village. Um, I kind of look at my home life like a business. And I know that sounds funny, but it, all the same rules apply, right? So I've got to get good people around me. I've got to have really great systems. I've got to watch my mindset in every single moment. I've got to keep my cool. I've got to be calm. I've got to, I don't know, something I really got clear on in, in my early days of parenting was that like I, my mood and the way I saw the world set the tone for the whole family, right? So if I'm stressed and chaotic and running around like a headless chook, then everyone feels that, right? But so I try and be super chill and I try and be really calm and um, yeah, the, the good people around us is a great thing. And so my kids range from 12, my eldest is 12, so they're 12, 10, 8, six, four, and the little guy. And it's true, like as they start to get older, they start to help as well. So they'll go and get the baby out of the cot every yeah. day and they'll change diapers. We say diapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, that, that does happen. It's it's great. It's really, really fun. I have to ask, I, I last year watched your live stream. Oh, did you? <laughs> I sure did. I sure did. Uh, and it was like so beautiful to watch. It was also quite confronting to watch too because I was like, oh, oh, wow. Like, because I don't have kids. So Right. It, just, it just, it was amazing and I was like, this is brave. This felt really brave to watch. But what made you go, I'm going to share this thing? Um, so the backstory to that is that I um, was always terrified of giving birth, like absolutely petrified of giving birth. There was not a moment when, you know, before I met my partner and our husband and fell pregnant, there was not a day that went by that I wasn't scared of giving birth. And, um, you know, when I eventually did meet my husband and we got married and we fell pregnant pretty quickly because we're just reckless and don't plan I've anything. Heard you say like, we're just hopeless. <laughs> like, anyways, um, you know, I just started to understand that this baby was going to have to come out of me some way. So I started educating myself and I started researching and I watched every documentary and I watched birth videos and I'm like, I'm the worst. I'm the worst with pain. I, I literally get like take a Panadol or a Nurofen like the minute I get a headache. Like I'm not good at, mm-hmm. and I'm bad at blood and like I can't do it. But, you know, I, I started to understand that this is a thing that women's bodies were designed to do and I just had to get my head right around, um, you know, birth. So I have, I've subsequently had all my six babies at yeah. home um, and they've been deeply transformative experiences. And for me, I mean, I kind of think like how many chances do we get given to really, really go there, like to mm-hmm. test the limits of your spirit and your body and your mind and that is like my jam. Like I freaking love that. Like, yeah. So for me, it was always just a personal challenge of can I, can I do this? Can I, you know, meet myself in a space where there's no fear mm. and I can, you know, get on top of the pain and and I don't know. It's just a it was, it was a really exciting challenge for me. So yeah, yeah. So I, I did that and. Um, with my sixth baby, with my fifth baby, I, I mean, by then I, I had experienced such joy with, with childbirth and I'd heard so many stories of women who were so scared about childbirth. And yeah. I thought, far out, like, why can't I help some women understand and see that there's a different way to birth? If yeah. they choose to, if they yeah. want to, yeah. like, um, I would never sit here and say, you must do it this way. Like, it's, but I just wanted to, the, the, the stories and the scenes that we are presented with when it comes to giving birth are, you know, your water breaks on the side of the road while you're hailing a cab and you get raced to an emergency and it's all pain and screaming and you know, that's all I knew of birth, right? Mm. But I know a very, very different way to birth and it's very gentle and it's very spiritual mm. and it's very... Um, you would have had a doula in there too with yeah, you. Yeah, I've yeah. had a doula at every one of my births. I've had 
private midwives and a doula at every single one of mm. the births. And, you know, I often say this, like the midwife I first hired had delivered more babies than my obstetrician had. So, you know, I think there's this misnomer or this stigma around home birth that the midwife arrives with a towel on her shoulder and goes, yeah. good luck. Like, hopefully this is all going to work out, but it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, like the midwife is there to ensure the safety of you and the baby. And to make sure that, you know, they don't really care about giving you a good experience. It's more about like, how do we make sure that the baby's safe and you're safe and great. If you have a great experience on top of that, that's fantastic. So I wanted to share the birth of my fifth child and that was an extraordinary labor. It was really, really quick and a beautiful night. And afterwards I was like, dang, like that would have been so nice to have people experience. So yeah, when the six rolled around, um, it was midway through the pandemic um, here in Los Angeles where we live. Mm. Um, It was the Black Lives Matter movement and, um, you know, we were in, under curfew so everyone had to stay home after 5 p.m and there were riots down the street so it was just a very intense moment in time so that's why it felt right for me to okay let's Mm. just do this I mean I had no idea how we were going to do it I think we decided on the day we'll do it on Instagram I don't even know how to I don't even know how to do that like a friend just she's like someone got a tripod and she just set up a camera in the living room and it was all um it was all pretty basic but pretty special as well so thank you so much for sharing that it's so funny as a an Australian woman, I don't know if you ever experienced, well, you you may not have, but like I'm 35. And so I, the amount of people that DM me and they're like, TikTok, time's running really? out. And I'm like, whoa, that's a huge, whereas I meet people here and people are like, yeah, I'm 44. This is the time I want to start having kids. And I'm like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like that to me feels really empowering. And that's probably where my fear sits around like my age and this like weird running out of time thing that it's, it feels like just a random society expectation mm. thing. So I've loved that you shared so much about being, and we've hung out when you've been like heavily pregnant, <laughs> not heavily pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been really beautiful. So thank you first of all for being courageous enough to share that. Mm. No, Big. I mean, it, it didn't seem courageous to me. It was just, I, I try and, I don't know, I try and, it sounds really twee, but I try and be a role model to people where I can. But it was just more like if I can have anyone see that this can be a beautiful and peaceful yeah. experience and if that helps one or two people out there. And I know it did. I got yeah. a massive amount of DMs from people and saying. Was sharing it. It was nice, yeah. wasn't it? But people were just saying like they might have had two cesarean births and, you know, they might have loved those and they said, but they didn't realise birth could be that way. Or they might have said, you know, I had a really traumatic experience and for some reason watching yours was really deeply healing for yeah. me. So it, it manifested in a lot of different ways. But, yeah, I'm glad I did it. Oh, legend. Mate. You are a legend. <laughs> Let's talk the new hustle. I have written down a few of my favourite rules. Okay. So and I and I attended the um the Zoom launch last night (laughs) as well. So basically for people listening that haven't don't might not know about the new hustle. First of all, Wing It went bananas. It's on its eleventh reprint. It's like best seller selling book, blah, blah, blah. It's now got an American release, like yeah. came out in America last year. Am I giving it the right? Yeah, you should feel great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Say whatever you want. No, it's great. And I remember when I got sent Wing It in the mail, because that'd be about three years ago now. Right. Yep. I, I basically got it and I just started reading it kind of like slowly like you would read a, a book. But this one, because I knew I was only interviewing you a few days ago and wonderful Lucy sent me a digital copy of this book and I was like, you better binge read this, Lola. And it was so much fun to binge read because I was like, I want to know the next lesson. I want to know the next rule. And because of the way it's designed with these rules, you could almost just be like, and what do I need to see today? And just pull it open like a little handbook or guide for that little pep up when yeah. you need it. So can we talk about some of my favourite rules yeah, in the please. book? Yeah, please. 
Okay. Oh, there are so many that I loved. <laughs> but um, this one I love. It's actually number two. To earn your power, you must first relax. And then just under that, you say the most powerful person in the room is the most relaxed one. Mm. Can you expand that a little bit? Because mm. I read that and I was like, oh, like as an over-preparer, as an over-thinker and like whatnot, like I saw that and I felt like I could breathe easier mm. and mm. I think you, it, it gives you a little bit of confidence to be like, hang on a sec, mm. like if I can be calm and present mm. and focused, I'm probably going to be a better version than the person that's done 15 million hours of research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe the two can coexist on some level, but something that I've tried to cultivate throughout my whole career is, is very much being in the moment and being present, not only with the task that's in front of me, but with the people that I have around me, right? So I think most everything is better when you are living here and now, right? So and doing the work that we do, I mean, a large part of our business at Business Chicks is these large-scale events, right? Mm-hmm. So we can do a summit and have four or 5,000 people there that day. And so when you walk into that kind of space and, you know, people are, whether they know it or not, they're sort of subconsciously taking in the vibe or the energy of the room, right? So I see it as my responsibility to set the tone for, I'm going to make this day the best possible day and I'm going to be super calm and present mm-hmm. and try and give as much as I can in this moment, right? So it's been... Something that I've really worked at the whole time. And then um, that rule was really inspired by we um, toured the beautiful Liz Gilbert just oh, before the pandemic. Yeah. Did you come see her? I didn't, but I, as I was out, reading babe. this part of the book, I was like, no. Yeah, she's yeah. she's phenomenal. So she talked about this and, and you know, I, I got to have dinner with Liz and I've mm. subsequently, you know, we um, keep in touch and she's beautiful and, and she lives and breathes this rule, right? She's just so mm. calm. She walks into every single room like she owns it, but not from an arrogant point of view. She's just really self-assured. Mm. She knows who she is. Um, but she's super chill and super calm. And it's true. Like I, you know, I look at the people that I admire and look at the people that I've worked alongside that have been, you know, like they vibe really, really high and they're quite anxious and they're like, mm. you know, it makes you feel anxious and it makes totally. you feel like something's wrong and that there's going to be a mistake made and there's going to like some, there's going to be a drama or like some sort of disaster is going to happen, you know. So I always try and believe that, you know, life is rigged in my favour and it's mm. all going to be good and somehow you know, it's all going to work out. And if it doesn't, that's cool as well. But um, I think this this idea about calmness being powerful is a really, really, really beautiful one for us to get our little heads around. And um, you can practice that. You can totally. practice it. I'm training, I don't know if you know this, I'm training in acting school while I'm here yeah. and, and I love it. But the, the technique that we use, the final step of the technique is like, so you do all this work. Yeah. But then you've got to let it go in the moment. That's my teacher always says, like, Lola, step 12 is the hardest for you. You hold on to the work. Like, you do you're all hilarious. this work and you're like, see, I've done it. I've done it. And she's like, put it in a bubble out. and blow it away. <laughs> yeah. it's like, Chill out. It will sit in your body. The work sits with you. You know, you don't need to prove it to us. Yeah, and I love that. that's why I think when I read that mm. rule, I was like, ah, oh, like, mm. and I think as well, like, when you talk about like owning a room just then, it almost comes from a sense of like clear presence. I think mm. when you meet someone that's just like really in the moment, mm. really clear, and mm. with that comes a calmness and a 
sense of being relaxed, mm. you kind of want to be more around that because it yeah. feels good. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that in the book as well, like this whole idea of how do you increase your likability and charisma is a huge part of that, right? And I tell a few stories of people I've met and, um, you know, Kate Hudson was one of those. Mm. Um, you know, we toured her around Australia and she was like that. The first time I met her, she walked into the room, locked eye contact, asked a million questions, was super calm, was super funny. Mm. But, you know, like there was no airs and graces and that that's powerful, right? She was yeah. calm, she was present, she was charismatic mm. and there's like there's, there's so much magic in that. If you can try and emulate some of those things, oh. it's um it's magic for your relationships but also for yourself. Like it's just a, it's a beautiful way to live, not trying to control every situation and stress about everything and, and just be here and now. Totally, and I think you enjoy the moment more because you're so much more present and yeah. you feel good. Like I think we naturally feel really good in that energy. The amount of times I've done even podcasts and I've been like sweating and worried like, oh, my God, oh, my God, and I'm like, just chill out. And the moment I chill out, like the guests can read and feel the yeah. energy. And yeah. I totally, totally hear what you're saying. It's probably, yeah, I think that was my favourite rule because I know that's the one I probably needed personally the most. <laughs> I love this one because I think it anyone can relate to this. Number 66, compete with you. Mm. And I think like in the age of social media, uh and seeing other people's successes posted on their highlight reel. it's re- And for me as well, like I'll get sometimes booked for a gig, but then another influencer will get booked for that gig over me or I'll be trying really hard to get an acting agent and I'll see someone else will get an acting agent and be mm-hmm. going on a show. I'm like, I could do that. And so yeah. it's really hard to not compare yourself to other people. And, yeah, you've got a whole rule about this. Can you mm-hmm. share? Yeah. Yeah, I love this one. And I think it's something that I learned pretty early on in my career that if you are going to distract yourself and fill your time with worrying about the periphery, right, yeah. and worrying about what everyone else is up to, then you're going to take away a huge opportunity of working on yourself and working on whatever it is that you want to achieve, right? So I, I call it, you know, comparing and despairing because you can, you can get lost in such a rabbit hole of worry oh. and anxiety and despair and it's just, it's crazy for mm. me. Like it's just a really, I get it's a natural human thing that we do. Um, it ain't easy. The way I do it is to completely just block everything out. So I don't go on social media. Like I'm pretty, like you can see I, I sometimes won't post on Instagram for like three or four you months. You and I text more than DM. <laughs> I know, like I'm just not a, <laughs> yeah. I just not a. Because, I like that though. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to this, babe. Like I don't feel the need to prove myself to anyone apart from myself. Mm, I, I just. That. I mean, I feel a responsibility to my family. I feel a responsibility to be a role model to my kids, particularly I have four four girls, so I feel yeah. that deeply. But I don't really get validation if you think I'm a man. Like, it's yeah. lovely. Like, great. Thanks, all. Like, it's it's awesome. But I don't seek it and I don't um, – it, it doesn't it doesn't have a whole meaning for me. So I think if you have a really clear vision for your life and if you have a really clear sense of who you are as a person, then, you know, that sort of stuff tends to drop away and kind of fade. But I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I'm a highly competitive person as well. But instead of looking at other people and thinking I want to be better than them, I'm just like, Em, be better than the person you were yesterday. Yeah. Seriously. Like, okay, you sold this many books, like beat that today, Mm. you know? Like I, that's so, it's a very internal kind of game I play and it's it's kind of freeing when you do that. You know, I'm not worried about other people. Yeah. Yeah. In the book as well, you say like, 
if you're looking to the side, you can't be looking forward. And I really like that. Yeah. Because it's just kind of stopping you, like honoring your own where you want to go, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, another fave. I, I was like, <laughs> oh, I am. Um, you're the cutest. I, no, no, but I made, I just, <laughs> I've got like highlighted notes, different colored pens going on here. Um, but number 11, and I love this because actually, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but I'm really good at hard decisions fast. So number 11 is make hard decisions faster. Uh-huh. And it is like a superpower. Can you share it? Because I read this, and I was like, yes, I do this one. <laughs> Are you going to tell me your interpretation of this? I mean, it's like, look, ultimately the thing is this. I think when it comes to decision making, we, you know, this is like similar themes to what we just spoke about then. We run around and we ask everyone for advice yeah. and we sort of cache the room on what should we do and what do you think? And and you're kind of left with like a hundred opinions of other people. And that can be in itself really distracting and take you away from your own intuition and sitting with mm-hmm. what might be uncomfortable or what, what might feel right or what might appear if you were to be still and just kind of go within. So, you know, um, I give a couple of tips, uh, you know, off the back of that rule in, into how I go about my decision making. And, um, you know, one of the things is to try if you struggle with making decisions and if you're someone who is notoriously in your head and you overthink and you um, overplay every possible scenario, you know, you start practicing practicing with little things like you might go to a restaurant and so okay I'm going to give myself three minutes to decide what I'm going to oh, yeah. eat tonight or I'm going to go to Netflix and inspe- instead of spending the next 30 minutes scrolling through all the that options. That one's hard. <laughs> I know that one is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but you know give yourself like five minutes. Like, yeah. So it's, it is it is that thing of just practicing and um, I don't know what did you get from that rule? What was your well, kind of takeaway? The quote underneath it yep. is sometimes the hardest thing and the right thing is the same thing. Mm. And I really liked that. So obviously we're, we're recording this in the middle of an Australian lockdown sure. right now. Yeah. And I've had to pull the pin on a few things that were meant to be happening in Australia. And usually my ego would be super attached to those things. Mm. And, and I had a meeting yesterday where something got cancelled against my will. And rather than be like, oh, stuff this. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted like a pushing for this thing. I was, yeah. I... I knew I was defeated in the moment and I just decided, I thought, okay, what's really important right now? And for me it was to um, respect the working relationship that I had because mm-hmm. I knew that the deal was gone, it was mm-hmm. off the table. And in that like split second I went from fighting for this thing that was lost to this person needs to be heard right now. And I just complete. and in that it was just a split decision mm-hmm. to support a person and let go of that goal. Yeah, I love that. And so that felt like I was honouring yeah. number 11 yeah. a little bit. <laughs> You're such a dork. I love it. Oh, no, such it's, a dork, um, mate. It's, it's great. I mean, I think what I'm most obsessed with at the moment is really trying to live in a much more, and it's really overused, but like a much more mindful way and you know, we talked about it last night in the little Zoomy that we had, you know, it's like sometimes a small mind can take over, right? And the small mind is the mm. one that goes ego, you know, competing with everyone. You're like, what the hell? Like, why did I lose that deal? Like, why me? And you, you sort of go into this like, what do I call it? Like dramatic and not pragmatic. So when you yeah. pull it back and you go, you know what? Like this is not going to matter in 10 years' time, whatever that deal was. It ain't, yeah. mate. It's not going to matter in 10 years' time. So when you can try and like see your life as this like, I don't know, helicopter up and look at it as like this is a big freaking masterpiece that's going to hopefully take 80, 90 years to draw or paint or whatever. Mm. Like it, things like that don't really matter, you know. So if you – but your character matters and the way yeah. you appear in difficult situations matter and that's the sort of shit that people will remember. They'll remember how Lola conducted herself in that moment or how Emma – 
treated me in that moment. And that to me is the stuff that we need to focus on more and that's the stuff that matters. So, yeah, I'm glad you like that. I love that. That's the like the good value system as well where you come back to like who you are and what you stand for under stress as well. I love, oh, I could talk to you all day. Okay, so last night you mentioned that one of your favourite rules is rule number five, which is, well, that could have been an email. (laughs) Yeah. Can you share a bit about that? Because I love this and I'm a, well, no surprises, I'm a chatterbox. So I'll be on a Zoom meeting and I'll be like, shit, Lola, you've just lost 35, 40 minutes for like a 10-minute Zoom, what could have been a 10-minute Zoom meeting. Can you yeah. share that rule? Yeah, please? yeah, yeah, I love it. And listen, that that might be totally appropriate. You might in that situation need to be relationship building and need to be spending 45 minutes as opposed to 15. Yeah. But I have been running businesses and building companies for 100 years now um, and one of the things that I believe is the biggest um, thief of good culture and obviously thief of time is unproductive meetings and meetings for meeting sakes, right? So if you work in a corporate or you work in a a small business, um, you know, you you have these placeholders in your calendar every single week that's like one-on-one with this person or a Mm. team meeting here or whatever it is and most of those don't really need to be there or they can be like far more effective or... Or, you know, I just find that some a lot of meetings are there for people to appear like they're competent or for, <laughs> for people to yeah. appear. Like it's all just a lot of, um, I don't know, <laughs> but a lot of egos kind of competing for the, yeah. the space and airtime. So, yeah. so for me, like just really interrogating um, the way we meet and how to make those more effective. So that rule gives us hundreds of, not hundreds, but like tens of little anecdotes and tips and tools for how you can sort of change meeting culture in your business. Because like, Honestly, like a lot of the things, like a lot of the meetings can be emails, they can be quick phone calls, they can mm-hmm. be walks around the block. So you'll, you'll buy so many more minutes back in your day if you revolutionise your meeting culture. I, I love believe. that. You do talk about, I can't remember which rule it was, but you just evoked it within me then as you were speaking, the power of kind of saying no. And we've heard that, that one many a time before. But I think that I don't know if it's our generation or an Aussie thing or a female thing. We're kind of people pleasers and it feels like the first few times you try on saying no, you're like, oh, this feels <laughs> really uncomfortable. <laughs> Am I ruffling some feathers here? Yeah. Like it feels what's your advice around saying no for things that don't serve you or a meaning that you know? I think you share actually you got off this really big deal. I think it was an American deal and everything was going right and then you decided to get this gut feeling. There were little tweaks and contracts were starting to feel a little bit changed and whatnot and you were like, I need to say no. Mm. And I think your husband said you've got bigger balls than any guy or something. Is (laughs) that right? Yeah, yeah, he did say that, actually said that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to that thing as well. Sometimes the hardest thing is the right thing to do, right? So when you can super check in and go, whoa, something is not feeling good here, something's not feeling good and right. So, yeah, that was a decision I made to pull the plug on a pretty big deal that was starting to go in a direction I didn't want it to go in. Mm -hmm. Um, But the saying no thing is a practice. Like it does feel super orcs to start with. And you ask the question specifically like, oh, am I going to ruffle feathers? You are going to do that. (laughs) And that is okay. And it's something that I have learned a whole heap actually from being in America for the past six years. Like there's a directness here. There is an acceptance that people will say no, like completely to your face and that's okay, you know. So it is a cultural thing. We have a huge cultural discomfort in Australia with saying no and we are just like racked with fear about what people think about us and it's it's something that I just really struggle with. 
And I just have learned a lot about it's okay to, you know, take up space here and it's okay to, and I, a little story that didn't make it into the book, actually. Um, I remember being in a line here, just at a retail store and, you know, I was at the counter and I was paying for something, but I couldn't find my credit card. And I was like, you know, I was looking around my purse for, for how to pay. And, you know, I was getting a bit flustered and and the woman said, ma'am, it's your turn. Take your time. And I'm like, wow, like. It is. I, yeah. I'm allowed to take up this space and time. Like in Australia, I, I mean, I would have definitely been thinking, oh, but there's five people behind me. Hurry up. Yeah. Like she was like, ma'am, take your time. And I'm like, I love that. Customer it, service here is another level. It's a whole too. other level, isn't it? But I just, that was a little, I don't know. I just, I like that as a little analogy. Like we, we, we try and minimize ourselves. We try and water yeah. ourselves down. We try and take up as much, as little space as possible, you know? And it's like, no, nah, it's your turn, babe. Like, oh, I love that. It's your turn. So, yeah. In that rule, not to stick on the no rule, there's a, there's a thing that you say is like, try not to say this. And I'm like, fuck, I've said it that many times where, you know you want to say no, but you go, <laughs> let me think about it. Right. And you're like, that's probably the worst thing to say in that scenario. It's like you're almost being, uh, the word, I don't know what the word is, but you're almost lying because you know you're not going to do the thing. Right. And you're just leading this situation on and you're giving it more airtime than it needs. Yes. And I, I don't know if, again, it is that like people pleaser mentality or that like, oh, I don't want to. But um, I said no to a really big thing that I know the PS person that expected me just two days ago to say yes to. And I said, thanks so much. That is of zero benefit to me. Um, I understand what you're asking of me, but that's coming at too much of a cost of not just myself, but also audience. And they're mm. the people that I'm doing it for. Mm. And I didn't even get a response because I knew it would piss yeah. them right off. Yeah. But it felt like I didn't even think about it again until this moment. Yeah. And so, again, I didn't take the time to say, can I just think about that for a little bit? Of, I feel like that's a cop out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there might be situations where you actually are going to think of course, about it, and, you're, and you're not sure. And that's you're totally within your rights to take a couple of days or a couple of hours to think about it. But if you genuinely know in your gut that you don't want to go ahead with something that someone's asking you to do, whether that's going to drinks this Friday night or a big yeah. deal that you know you're talking about there, you you owe it to another person and yourself to be honest about it. You know, and yeah. and again, you just got to practice that over and over and over, and it does get less awkward. And I've got a hundred examples of when I've said no very, very clearly in a lovely way. Yeah. And you've got to be kind and compassionate in in your no. But yeah, they, people just don't respond. You know, they don't know how yeah. to or they're pissed off or whatever. Yeah. And so, but that's okay. That's, that's yeah. shit. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool, you know. So again, I think it's just having that acceptance that you will ruffle feathers and you will yeah. piss people off. And that's okay. Like you cannot please everybody. You well, you also have said in a um, podcast interview I listened to when I first started researching, you, you said the truth is terrifying. And I think when you're living in the truth and you're being really honest and you're really connected to that, mm. it feels a bit scary sometimes. Mm. And that's kind of cool and that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, 100%. Um and that's a that's a rule for life, isn't it? Like, you know, the deeper you go into the truths of your life or the truths of like your past experiences mm. or your wounds or whatever, like that's it's all it's all kind of scary. But you know, my coach says to me, like, in order to reach your depths, you've got to go to your depths. Hundred percent. I love that. And it's like, well, you can either live at this kind of surface level, you know, like vibration where you just everything is chill and cool and fun and mm. easy or you can no let's let's dive a bit deeper and let's go there and it, yeah it's freaking scary but it's like so much more rewarding to live that way 
it's so cool that you share that you've got a coach. I've got a therapist. And I know that in Australia, if I say I've got a therapist, people are like, oh, what's what, wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Did you go through a breakup? And I'm like, no, yeah. it's yeah. my non-negotiable. Yeah. And I feel like here it's a lot of people's non-negotiables. Like therapy is so normal. Having a coach or a mentor, it's super, super yeah. normal. Oh, I have a therapist and a coach. I have two people that right. I I talk with. And oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's like a workout for your soul or your head. Like it's, yeah. it's and for me, um, it's just so important to have my head right around a ton of things. Like not only because I feel a deep level of responsibility to be, um, yeah, to be a role model to my community, but also to yeah. my family. And, you know, yeah, I have six young kiddos. So I feel that perhaps even more deeply that I want to show up in the world and I want to be my best version. And like I, yeah, I mean, I'm super scared that I'm going to mess them up in some way, but I already know that I I will. Like, they're going to have childhood wounds from, you know, and that that's okay and they'll have to do their own therapy and that will have to, um, that'll be their journey to go on. But I, I just think, um, you know, there's no shame in talking to people and oh, to... it's a super, you process so much faster as right. well. Like, if you have career aspirations yeah. and you want to succeed, like anyone yeah. who's seen this, if you want to succeed at something... Have a therapist because you'll be able to make choices and business calls oh, and hundred percent so fast because you're so connected to who you are and you yep. mentioned that energy of being self assured like yep. to me that comes from figuring out our own psychology and the way we like to tick yeah hundred percent I could talk to you all day long I've got two more questions mm-hmm. uh, well two more questions and a thank you so the first question is you've had so many incredible celebrities and and not just celebrities just movers and shakers that have had an amazing impact on the world. Jamie Oliver, I'm still sour. I did not get to see Jamie Oliver. <laughs> We've he's had him a, like two or three times, baby. Yeah, he's awesome. We had Rachel Zoe, Sarah Jessica Parker, Richard Branson. Like, this isn't even, you mentioned Kate Hudson before. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Like, has there been any moment where, and there, I'm sure there has, but do you have a like favorite moment where you were just like pinching yourself, going, holy mackerel? Mm-hmm. A hundred, like maybe <sighs> perhaps a thousand. Like, and it, it happens pretty much every single time, you know, and I think there's, that's also a beautiful way to live. Like if you can feel into gratitude and sit there, mm. like there's so, so many moments, you know, I know when um, I first convinced uh, Seth Godin, you know, the marketer yeah. to come to Australia, he'd never traveled to Australia and I'd been at him for eight years. Really? And I would ask him to, you know, come down under and he'd be like, no, thanks. And so <laughs> I, I just kept at him for eight years. And I remember we had about um, 2,000 people in the audience that day and it was just a really special moment. And mm. to look around and see other people who, you know, not only from my team but the people who, you know, it was a lifelong dream to see him in person. Like I was like looking around thinking, wow, this is just like, this is incredible. He's so like that the was Bible a, for so many yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been super, um, you know, he's been a huge role model for me throughout my career and I think everything he talks about in terms of marketing relationships yeah. makes just pure sense. Um, Ariana Huffington was mm. was beautiful. Um, you know, I, I had this beautiful pinch me moment. Um, we had Diane von Furstenberg speak for us 100 yeah. years ago. She's on the front cover of your book, I feel. Yeah, oh, she's, she's given a quote or something yeah, in the media she, release. Yeah, she endorsed the book and she's um, she's beautiful. We've kept in touch over the years. But I didn't meet DVF before she went on stage. So it was, you know, one of those yeah. whirlwind things. She she came came from another appearance, came walked through the crowd up onto stage. So I had not met her before wow. she started speaking. And I remember it was her and she was being interviewed by Sandra Sully on stage. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she's she's a terrific storyteller and orator and she's just, I mean, she's just so graceful. Mm. And so she, I remember Sandra asked her one question. She sort of spoke for like 45 minutes off the back of that one question. It was phenomenal. But at one point she stopped and she's like, where, where am I? 
And I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is like someone's not briefed her. She has no idea what she's, you know, what this is. And Sandra goes, Diane, like you're a business chick. This is like Australia's largest community for women. And, you know, this is, she goes, no, I I know. She said, I know where I am. She said, but this is extraordinary. She said, I love it. I love this. I love that we are in business, but we're chicks. I love the name. I love the vibe. I feel like we are in the most intimate setting, even though there are hundreds of women here. Who is responsible for this? And Sandra's like, Emma down there. And I was like, oh my God, like this is just a moment I'm going to take to my grave. Like that someone who I've looked up to for so many years can kind of be thrust into a little situation in Sydney, Australia and say, this is a really special thing that we've got going Mm. on here. That was, um, that was a pinch me moment. You know, it was just, it was, it was really special. And, and again, you know, we've taken groups of business chicks members into her studio in the meatpacking district in Mm. New York. And she's, you know, she's just a very generous woman. And so, yeah, that's, there's hundreds. Yeah, there would be There's so like, many. It's 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 been a real blessing, and I often say like it's been my own MBA, right, to put these people in front of me and to have a front row seat to their experiences and mm-hmm. their their teachings and who they are as as people. You're one of those, like you've spoken across ah. a million times, and we always get so much from your wisdom and your 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 dagginess. Um, <laughs> Do you know that you and I have the same fear though? I have a fear of tripping on stage to this day and I've heard you have the same fear because we both wear heels when we go on stage of course usually. We do. I know, I know. That that one never ever leaves me. It's like shit, like that's all I think about. Like just don't fall over, don't fall over, don't fall over. And I bet you I just would be really ungraceful about it if it actually happened. But But then look how cool Jennifer Lawrence made it with the Oscars. I know she was right? so cool, but we're not Jennifer Lawrence. No, this is true. This is true. <laughs> we fall flat on our faces. So um I wanted to thank you for something. I don't know if you remember this, but you're part of the reason that I'm sitting here in LA right now because you gave me an amazing testimony for my green card. Do you remember that? Like five years ago. ago. (laughs) I remember. I did not remember that until you told me that, but yeah. So thank you. It took me three and a half years to get it and then to finally make it over here. But you, um, I just want to say thank you so much for doing that because that was just an email that I flicked you and you're like one of the quickest people on getting it back to me because it's quite a process. I know you know all the legal side of getting over here, but mm. I want to say thank you very oh, much. Oh, babe, it's an absolute pleasure. My gosh, it's Can't amazing. I know, it's so good. Oh, um, Yay. Finally, just with the book, I know you're, do- I heard last night you're donating proceeds. Yeah. To- Can you share a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we want this to blow up and we're donating $2 um, for any person who shares the cover of The New Hustle on their socials. Um, we're donating to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. So hopefully we can raise a whole heap of money for um, for them. They're, they do amazing work. So yeah, that's the gig. Unreal. Now, in the show notes for people listening, I'm going to put a live link so you can purchase The New Hustle right now from this <laughs> moment with this awesome human's wisdom. Emma Isaacs, thank you so much. A total honour to have you on the pod. Love you. I'm so glad we made it happen. Finally. We did it. Yay. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.